0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 333, Top 10 Board Game Expansion Types. we like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Alright friends, we are back and we are talking about one of my favorite topics expansions i can't really say why expansions are one of my favorite things about board (laughs) games but it really is like the whipped cream and cherry on the top of the sundae it's just something added to a great game that kind of pushes it over the top so we'll be talking about expansions and in particular the different types of expansions that we see happening over and over in board gaming uh as i said before many times before i sometimes pick up expansions but i've been playing the base game i mean this was before yeah. kickstarter where you had to buy all of the expansions yeah, yeah when you buy the base game anthony you have a few expansions yourself right
1: i mean i know we can't <laughs> see them in your background but you have one or two right yeah a few a few is a good word for it uh, mm-hmm. every expansion ever released for any game i own <laughs> um it's a compulsion man you want all the stuff we've been over that a million times but it's funny because we do these kinds of lists and then you think about it and you think you know what i don't play most of these games with the expansion because almost always especially the heavier games you're teaching someone how to play and you're like i can't layer all this extra stuff on top of them there are a few exceptions we'll talk about a few where like that, you know it's a must and but there's a limited number of like essential expansions so it's kind of cool to talk about the different types and the reasons why some are good and well obviously it's in the top 10 list so all the ones that are bad won't be on <laughs> here but we might bad mouth a few anyways we might bad
0: out. mouth a few uh. yeah it's <laughs> almost funny because when you see an expansion's coming out it's like is this you know more of the same because we've you know it's more of the same kind of game content that we've seen previously Uh, these are the ones that are something added, something different, something more to the base game because otherwise it's just more cards, more of this, more of that. This is something new and additional to it. And again, I always love when designers go back and they're like, you know what? This was great, but I really just want to add something more or there's the feedback from the crowd, you know, and the gamers out there, they're like, if we could only have this, this would make the game so much better and when they develop it it's like you really feel heard and seen and you're like this is amazing i'm so glad to have that (laughs) but anthony i do think we could probably have a top 10 excuses of why we don't play expansions in our our base games and that would certainly be one of them that like you don't want to throw it on top of like new players or something like that so yeah that's a thing um So, anyway, we'll get into the good stuff of it, which is the different board game expansions types. But before we get into that, there's obviously a lot to talk about. And in particular, obviously, there still is a massive global pandemic happening, in case you missed it. I don't know how you would, but nonetheless. But I do want to announce that I did go board gaming this past week, in a group, at a meetup. So, all all of the challenges all at once... In fact, the uh, game group that Anthony and I did a charity event uh, prior to COVID. In fact, we were supposed to do one, I think, a month in and then COVID hit. So we couldn't do that one. But I went down to go play games. And luckily enough, the, the, the person running the meetup was able to get a really large space, a lot of fans, a lot of air conditioning going. I was one of two people wearing masks out there. Everyone else wasn't, and we were taking it on faith if people were vaccinated or not. And it was just, you know, it was a very emotional kind of moment, you know, going back to gaming with large groups of strangers. And it was just, you know, it gets you choked up because it's so much of what you love to do, and it's so much of your life and your friendships, and everything's kind of based around that as far as your social engagements on, you know, outside your family. And then it's just like, at some point you're like, I got to go for it and do this and hopefully be as safe as possible. And it's a challenge. It really is. Because it's like you have those conversations now of stuff that you never thought you would have about like, who's vaccinated? Are we safe? Could you wear your mask properly? Do we need a mask? Is this really a thing? Like literally all of those questions are happening all the time and are very present. But I did find times in gaming this past Friday where, I was able to let go of those concerns and really focus on the game. And I'm very thankful for David, our host and, and every, and all the gamers at the table, because that's what I really needed to do. I needed just to focus on something different than all the impending doom of the world these days. And it was a nice time. I got some good games to the table and I'm looking forward to doing it this week again, obviously we never know what the future might bring, but, Um, Yeah, I just wanted to share that because, you know, we often don't share too much about personal lives because we want to make it about the games and about the hobby. And we don't want this to be a three hour podcast. But nonetheless, I think that's something that we could definitely talk about that, you know, at least for me, I have that kind of shared experience with I'm sure a lot of you out there that this is a challenging moment, you know, especially to get gaming to the table. And, you know, for better or worse, we move forward.
1: I don't know. How have you been feeling about this, Anthony? Yeah, man, no, it's first off, awesome to hear that you got out and I know that's, you know, it's been difficult to do. So it, it's really cool. I have not actually played in with anybody. I don't personally know very closely. Um, I've, I've been playing games now for a couple months, but it's the same three or four people that I've known sure. for a long time. I know for a fact that they're vaccinated. I know for a fact that everybody in the house that I'm visiting is vaccinated. So like, there was still that discomfort level early because it was different. It was weird. It was like going against all the things you've been training yourself for for like the past 15 months. Um, but I don't know that I had that like broader anxiety of being in a group, um, which I haven't necessarily dealt with yet. And that's definitely coming with the school year coming up and mm-hmm. come back to work and moving and everything else. So, yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm kind of in between on all that. It's It was emotional for me. It was a weird moment, like sitting down. With people for the first time in 12 13 months when i did sure um now it's it's starting to feel normal ish you know two two and a half months in although you know then i'm moving in a few weeks so it'll be (laughs) all different again because it'll be all new people except for sure we'll play games but that'll also be weird because we haven't done that in forever either um so I, i definitely know how you feel man like just getting out there and, and kind of shifting gears back into how things were in the before yeah. times, but then with all the stuff layered on top, it's never going to go away. Right. Like, yeah. We're never not going to have to worry about this disease. It's always going to yeah. be here. So it's just a matter of how much we're worrying about it and when we're sure. worrying about it, it becomes the issue. And so that, that is a challenge.
0: Especially, you know, our hobby is very much sitting at a table close to each other In order to play a game, touching the same pieces, breathing the same immediate two feet, two square square cubic feet of like air. And it's just like, this seems like, again, like you said, this is, it goes against everything that we trained ourselves to, to not do considering the pandemic. And now we're doing it for games. Seems a little weird so yeah it's 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 going to be like that i guess for a while and obviously the convention season is gearing up so there'll be conventions in september hopefully packs will happen in december i know Essen is trying to muddle its way through so we'll see how that works out but you know for everyone out there who is dealing with this and struggling with this we are with you uh in a big way and uh you know, for a lot of us out there sharing the, uh, the the anxiety of all of it, you know, on top of everything else. So, um, yeah, so we're here, we're with you, we're suffering along with you in this process, but we're hoping that you're all well and safe and please continue to be safe. I mean, it's really important that as they, you know, as the quote goes is something along the lines of like, you know, we practice, uh, safety now so that when we do gather again together we'll all be together so that everyone is there every you know we don't want to miss anybody at the table so that's that's essential so again stay safe and, and we'll hopefully get to see you all soon all right so there is obviously other stuff going on and just wanted to mention ever so briefly like there's actually fun stuff going on too <laughs> so Hon, what are you uh, talking about so every once in a while i realize it's wednesday Which we had to move our, you know, recording day, because Anthony's going to big fancy school these days, so when it's Wednesday, I get up in the morning, and I'm like, I'm in in work, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, it's Wednesday, so these days, Wednesday has been Marvel-Loki day, so I was able to catch Loki at lunch, and, you know, no spoilers or anything crazy, because this might be in a couple of days, we don't want to ruin anything for you, but have you been enjoying the series, Anthony? I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah.
1: If if nothing else, because it's so off the wall. Like it's just bonkers, right? Yeah. They, they they're just going there with a lot of things. And like like with the last two shows, you're like, will they stick the landing? I don't know. But <laughs> so far it's just been like, Well, that's weird, and that's weird, that's really weird. So and those things are fun. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Like that's how you make the Marvel universe interesting and keep it evolving is make it really weird. So it's been pretty cool.
0: Yeah, comics are weird for a good reason, and it's nice yeah. when they commit to the weirdness, because you want that alternate universe. It's like when like when the X-Men first came out in the movies, and everyone's wearing black leather like they're you know, tactical SWAT teams or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> no, I get it. I just don't want it. Like, honestly, I don't know. Like, no, no, no. I, I, I want yeah. the costumes. So we got to see some costumes, which is great. Some classic costumes, which is fantastic. I wish the series at least the Loki one was longer because I feel like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of life's missed potential and they've done a lot of like the Marvel, you know, punchy kick kick thing, which is just not a Loki thing. So I I wanted more long kind of conversations and twists and turns, but I think they only had six episodes. So I think we have what, one more episode left. So if you, if you follow the comics, right, Anthony, as we do, you know, you knew what was kind of happening and you now, you know exactly what's going to happen. We know exactly who we're going to see and all those
1: kind of things. I, you say that. And yet the last two shows, they've just been like, <laughs> and there's nothing. You're like, okay, fine. So.
0: <laughs> well, that was, that was the same thing with one division too. So once they did one division, yeah. I was like, all right. So the cast of characters who we get, that's who we're going to have. And yeah, I get it. So, yeah winter soldier not not as great but you know that's another story for another day
1: so but yeah. uh yeah it is what it is and yeah and black widow on friday so i'm, I'm oh, looking yeah. forward to to paying the ridiculous amount of money to rent it on disney plus so my kids can Ooh. watch it with me um so good for you we are not taking them to the movie theater yet uh, speaking no? of pandemic stuff but they are very very excited to watch it they've been the last year has been My kid's becoming obsessed with Marvel, so Mm -hmm. have to pay the thirty dollars. We're gonna do it. (laughs) I don't know what we're gonna do when Shang Chi comes out because I'm not. Yeah, they're just gonna have to wait, I guess. But uh, I guess Friday's gonna be
0: good. All right. So Marvel conditions, whether they're in person or in the theater, they continue. So uh, gets you through the pandemic, so to speak. Right. A a little, (laughs) a little life, life fun. There's actually a lot of good shows out there, but. I guess we'll we'll leave a little bit for every episode as we talk about some of the fun entertainment stuff that's going on and what we're watching so that you can follow along with us and hopefully check out the shows that we're checking out these days. All right, Anthony. So with that said, that's what's going on with us. Unless there's anything else going on in the universe, any new fantastical games happening these days?
1: You know what? I, I did want to bring this up because I it just popped into my head because I was looking around... I don't even know what I was looking. It's just it's the middle of summer. So we get board game news. It pops up yeah. in my feed. Um, I'm in the middle of moving, so I don't know where my brain is half the time. But <laughs> I feel like all of a sudden we're getting a lot of games where they're they're not even like, oh, we're gonna take a game and retheme it and it's like a sequel, but not. They're just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Machi Koro two. It's Burgle the Brothers two. Yeah. <laughs> the revenge. We we've gone straight like eighties action flicks where they're just like, yes. just throw a two on it. It'll work, it's fun, it'll <laughs> sell. It's about family, man. Um, it's about family. It's about family. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I thought that was kinda interesting. We've got, you know, again, Machi Kuro 2 is announced today, I think. Um uh, Virgo Brothers 2 is not new, but it did ship recently. Um Welcome to the Moon is another like recent uh Welcome to sequel. I guess that's that's Welcome to 3, because they did mm-hmm. Welcome to New Las Vegas. Crazy. So And then I'm like, it just got me thinking, and I'm actually going to post this on Facebook tomorrow, like what board game sequel people would like to see announced next. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be serious. It could be tongue in cheek. I don't care. We'll we'll probably read those off as question of the week next week. But mm-hmm. it, it is interesting, especially as we get into convention season and we haven't really gotten all the big announcements out of the way yet. So what else could be coming? What two, three you know, releases could be coming up? I don't know. But I think the... Creativity is starting to to wane a little bit in the board game industry because we're starting to hit a lot of sequels.
0: And the the one takeaway that I had heard many many times from many people about the pandemic and what happened with board gaming was that gamers, you know, relied on their other gamers at their meetups or at the, you know their friendships. So, like, if I bought Terraforming Mars, Anthony, and I live nearby you and we gamed all the time, why would you need to buy it, right? You buy Scythe and we'll play it together. And what they said was that the games that were selling the most were these kind of, like, not classic games, but, like, modern day staples. So, now you have to be at your home and I have to be at mine. So, now I'm going to buy Scythe and you're going to buy Terraforming Mars. So, because we knew those games. We played them before. We knew we couldn't play them in a group. So yeah, why not throw a number two on it and just re-release it without any kind of thought <laughs> or
1: interest? So yep, pretty much yeah, and it's just and it, this isn't new, obviously, but I feel like they've been a little more creative in the past, where they're like it's like Caverna is a sequel to Agricola, but it's not gonna be a Agricola yeah. two you know Uwe rosenberg's been re-releasing his same game for 15 years yeah but he changes it he renames it he does things to it but now they're mm-hmm. just like slap it to change three mechanics call it a day you know <laughs>
0: uh yeah and the one you sent me earlier about pandemic now being the pandemic oh, system with world yeah. of warcraft the lich king and they're like uh oh, no we, we we have this game it's called defenders of the realm like why no why are you doing i don't I know that's The thing, so everybody yep. wants to Monopolize
1: At- and Munchkin, as you yep. would say, Anthony, right? That That is what's happening, yeah. I, I'm surprised it took so long. I've been saying Pandemic's a system more than a game for years, yes. And Z Man's finally like, Yes, it is. Let's slap a theme <laughs> on it. <laughs> it's not the first one either because it's Days of Wonder did Small World last year, so uh, with World of Warcraft. So it, it seems like they're Asmodee is opening up their catalog to do that with many of their games. We'll see what comes next. (laughs) Agricola in space, you know, um, I don't, I don't know what we're going to get. Crazy. It really is. It's, 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 it's
0: a really different world. And again, I don't know. Again, this is another discussion for another day about like when we started podcasting, it was about the, the changes starting to hit friendly local game stores. Like they hit their peak and then there was a little concern and now we're at the point where publishers just want to get in the big box stores like friendly local right. game stores they're done like it's over like if it was a thing it was a thing but it's kind of over like the publishers whatever they say or whatever they do they've kind of like leaped completely over those stores and they're like we want to get into target we want to get into walmart we're shooting for target and walmart like there was a um a new, new release from Restoration Games that's going to be coming out in 2022, another Catapult game based on the original, Crossbows and Catapults. And it said in the press release that they were releasing in Target. So what happened to friendly local game stores? What happened to the ire from the gamers out there when you didn't release the game to the small stores? Now you just, it's big box stores. This is the success yeah. that we always wanted for board gaming. We wanted these hobby games to be in the hands of everybody. So that when you went to a game night at your friend's house, like Catan was something that they owned, or Ticket to Ride, or Carcassonne, or whatever the other things were, and obviously Terraform Mars and all the other stuff that's out there. But now it's it's become a reality and may not be the reality that we wanted, I guess, on some levels. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yay, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of which, Anthony, uh, what is our question of the week?
1: All right. So I guess that kind of dovetails nicely because I asked people yeah. last week what what a big board game announcement they would like to hear in 2020 2021 would be. Mm-hmm. So this is announcement season. We typically get all these companies dropping their big news right before the conventions. The conventions are later this year, but those production cycles maintain. So we're going to get a bunch of new stuff trickling out over the summer. Uh Fantasy Flight's already released a ton of different Arkham things. They're doing, like, Arkham LCG reboot. They're doing Unfathomable, reskinning skinning Battlestar, uh, all sorts of stuff they're doing. Like, those are the kinds of things we hear in the summer, right? So I asked everybody what they were hoping for. Uh, Josiah says he would like to hear about X-Men Fantastic Four or more Spider-Man-related characters in Marvel Champions. Yes, please. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get it until um, the MCU is ready for the X-Men and Fantastic Four. Mm. But I, I'm hoping that soon. Uh, I don't know. Cause yeah, that game is ripe for the X-Men It'd be perfect for it. And just, you know, they're, they're starting to get creative with what they're doing and, and they're just drawing so heavily from the MCU that you're like, just do some weird stuff, do something different. And they just don't want to. <laughs> um, C.T. Henry says that he hopes Rez Arcana would be reskinned with a new theme that it would make it more accessible as a family game. Oh yeah. So sure. uh, I don't know. I, I did see. So speaking of that, um, Arcane Wonders just sent out a press release this morning. They're reskinning um, Heroes of Air, Land, and Sea, which is like oh, wow. a two player war game with like two cartoon animals. Uh it's still a war game, but it's cartoon animals shooting each other now. So, they're. I think they're going that route of trying to get onto the big box store shelves as well. And just a typical war game where you fly they're, they, jets they're, and tanks at each other isn't going to do it.
0: Yeah, they're they're doing a root thing, right? They're taking their war yeah. game and they're
1: they're making it into cute, fluffy animals blowing each other up. Yep, and i I think from a marketing perspective, I think they're spot on. Um, We can all be cynical about it if we want to, because it is a cynical thing for them to do. But I think they're right. They're going to sell more copies of that game. And it is a good game that I think a lot of people avoid because it's a pure war game.
0: Yeah, I just, I I wonder if, I mean, I'm sad that it's not, it's only a two player game because that really does slim down the options. But that game is a beast. There is so many pieces and so many expansions to it. I could see why they felt like they needed to reboot it. Just because if you wanted to get into that game, like seriously, it's got to be four or five hundred dollars at least to pick up all that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and like in addition to that too, like just even the small like the card game version that uh, you know Arcane Wonders does, it's just yeah. it's not. It seems like it should be accessible, but it's just really not. So similar thing with Res Arcana, you know, I, I could sure. see that it's pure fantasy. I don't know that's necessarily not a family game, but it's not. It isn't necessarily directly accessible for children either so i understand where he's coming from and the theme is not and the
0: theme is not it's not thematic it's a theme but it's not a thematic game like you don't feel like you're transmuting gold into other natural resources it's just like green and red and blue get one of those each
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it could be literally anything (laughs) literally
0: anything yeah
1: um all right tommy ray says (laughs) Is a good one. He says he hopes that Mage Knight and Gloomhaven both fall early in our next bracket challenge. So Ooh. calling us out, calling us out on Mage Knight and Gloomhaven, which you know, I feel seen. They're good games, man. I don't know what you want. I don't love them.
0: <laughs> just saying. And yet they win a lot, and they win because l- I'm I'm being objective. You know, i, I, yeah. I it's just. I, I can't say that it's not for me, but I can't say that it's not a great game or it's a great system, but I don't know.
1: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, all right. A few other ones here we have uh, on Twitter. Red Meeple Ryan says Catalyst Game Lab announcing a new Battletech card game would be a okay. big deal to him personally. I know a lot of people have been waiting for new Battletech content. It's been kind of waiting for a while. Um, BGA Saturdays says 1825 getting a full upgraded reprint. I don't even remember which one that is, but yeah, eighteen XX. Let's do it. <laughs> Why don't you make that into a kid's game? Come on, people. <laughs>
0: Someone will. Someone will do it. Don't it's do it. It's happen. boring. Don't no, don't do it, man. Don't do it. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> play it.
1: I don't want to play it. Oh, I do. I do. Um, and then PJK tweets says his two. He says a new big box game from Days of Wonder. Any game? Yes, because. They don't release new games very often, and I think the last thing they did was World of Warcraft Small World, which, meh. Um, and then he also says a cricket retheme of Baseball Highlights 2045, which I don't know anything about cricket, but I would absolutely play that. So I play that too. That would be yeah. cool. Yeah,
0: and I think that's also nope. what, so, what's yeah. really gr- great about board games is sometimes you get to learn stuff that you wouldn't normally get involved in. So I don't right. know cricket. I've always wanted to learn cricket. That would actually help me a lot. I'd like just to play it. So,
1: right. Well, it's like that was a, that, that Castel game. We learned oh, about, yeah. like, people stacking themselves. I'm like, I don't know anything about that. I feel like I know a bunch about it now based on these little tiles I've moved around. That's <laughs> so. true. Very true. All right.
0: So that's everything for our question of the week. If you'd like to respond and we would love to hear from you, please check out all of our social medias, especially Facebook and Twitter. Where the question week goes up each and every week, don't forget BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our website that has all the content in the world and will recently, or soon to be, getting an upgrade. So that website will be even better and there'll be more content coming. Again, Patreon.com, thank you to all our Patreon backers for helping us, especially during this difficult time. It's been difficult for everyone out there, so we know that you don't have a lot out there to kind of support us at the moment, but we so richly and deeply appreciate you listening each and every week. It really keeps us going. Again, thank you for downloading. All right, everyone. So let's talk about the games that we want at the
1: table. Anthony, my friend, Acquisition Disorders. What do you got? All right. Uh, So I have Coalitions. This is a new game up on Kickstarter right now from Phalanx Games. And uh, Phalanx has been pretty hot on uh, Kickstarter the last few years, if you're a fan of war games, right? Mm -hmm. They've done Successors is one that's coming uh, that came that was pretty recent. Uh, Nancy Narking, uh, people are waiting on Hannibal and Hamilcar, the 20th anniversary edition, which is beautiful. U-Boot, the big long like four foot ship that you put in the middle of the table. All of that was Phalanx. So they're known for like not just like bringing these games, some of them bringing them back, some of them brand new, but generally very high production quality, which is Mm -hmm. not something war games are historically known for. Those are, you know, they tend to focus on the gameplay. So you got little mm-hmm. tiny chits and little wooden blocks, and that's your game. Uh, so now we're getting miniatures and fancy linen cards and beautiful boards. And Phalanx has been a big part of that. So Coalition's is a game about the Napoleonic Wars, and it involves a lot more. So instead of the typical, you know, focus on war games where you move your guys around and you fight, and you move your guys around and you fight, which is still in this. There's a lot more focus on negotiation, right? So the they're really trying to amplify the interaction between players, which I know you're thinking like for a war game, isn't that the whole point is interaction between players? But multiplayer war games that have more than two people tend to have a lot of downtime in them, you know, because you have one person moves across a corner of the map and then he gets into a fight with somebody else and the two of them just kind of fight each other for a while and you take a nap, right? Even some of the really great games like Twilight Imperium fourth edition uh if two people really get into it on their turns that can eat up like an hour of gameplay while you're going to get a piece of pizza right it's it it can be an issue for these types of games and it takes some people out of it so the goal of coalitions is to streamline reduce the downtime and they do that with this wheel that turns each turn and you are going to essentially it tells you what everybody's going to do so it each, t- each nation, of which there are six, will take a different action on their turn based on where the wheel turns. And then there's like an activator system, which is designed to kind of indicate who you're going to be, um, who's your activator, right? So it's gonna be some non-allied nation, and if that person grants permission, you'll be able to take additional actions or do subsequent things related to the first action. It sounds more complicated than it is, or maybe I'm not explaining it very well, but the basic (laughs) idea is built into each action you take, someone else will be involved. So there's always two people involved. uh, Sometimes three, if there's a battle commences, right. And there's typical fights. Like if you move into someone's space and you guys aren't allied, you're going to get into a fight. Um, But you're primarily going to be trying to like make deals and, utilize diplomacy within the game itself to do the things you want to do uh in in combination with the cards and the pieces on the map so i don't know how that's going to play out um like games with heavy heavy negotiation and diplomacy like on a map like this they either work or they really don't so i don't really know you know how this is going to play out but the way it sounds and like the videos i've seen of it look super interesting um You've got your basic battle actions. You've got muster to put stuff out. You've got taxation, you know, to generate resources. You've got command to place your generals on the map, mobilization, uh, influence, and the movement, of course. And then you will battle. And uh, beautiful artwork on the cover, beautiful artwork on the board. Um, There's miniatures in the deluxe set that you can play with if you so choose. You don't have to. Uh, And the card... Artwork looks fantastic. So, just generally, like a really solid Phalanx production and a really unique take on what is traditionally kind of a hard genre of game to get right. You know, this multiplayer war game that can frequently turn into a five six hour ordeal <laughs> for some people. So, I'm I'm excited for this. I'm keeping a close eye on it. I, I haven't decided whether to back it yet or not because it is relatively expensive. Um, if you want all the stuff, it's around a hundred bucks, which I know these days is pretty much par for the course, but for this type of game that I'll probably only play once a year, if I'm lucky, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, but the deluxe edition, it does come with the miniatures. It comes with the extra diplomacy markers. It comes with um, an expansion uh, for the ancient regime, I guess. Uh, so you get like kind of uh, further back at different scenarios. There are scenario books in here as well for specific you know, times um, in Europe that you'd be interacting with um, all these different nations. So in general, it's, it's something I'm super interested in. I wish there was a way to get a chance to play it. This is like one of the huge downsides of no convention season. You can't go like poke the pieces and get to know it, but uh, I'm very much in the fence and interested in checking this one out. So that is coalitions on Kickstarter for the next week. It ends uh, next Wednesday.
0: Cool. Yeah, I think Kickstarter kind of goes through these weird cycles where there's like four or five ridiculously giant games that you can't ignore, and then there's absolutely nothing, and you're like, oh, Kickstarter, that was a thing, and then there's these really odd little games that just unfortunately missed the mark, and then you just see them at a game night, and you're like, dear God, when, when did this come on Kickstarter? And this seems like certainly one of those games where you just... Could so simply, you know, miss it, and I think it's that it's really interesting that that whole um, mechanic about how actually the actions take place and the dial and everything like that. So um, it's certainly worth the look, and like you said, a good pedigree from a, a really good company. So, yeah, and this is yeah, definitely, definitely something I'm with yeah. you.
1: And that's what I'm worried about because, like, I saw that I think I've backed two of their games now. But there's been two or three others where I'm like, man, I should have backed that because now it's super expensive and I'm not going to buy- pay that.
0: So. See, the problem, yeah. though, is they did the same thing that we complained about. I don't remember how long ago. It's like you got to you kind of got to do the all in pledge. It's two hundred and seventy dollars. Dude, two seventy. Come on. Why? seventy?
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're right. Oh, I didn't even see that. I'm looking at the one above that. Man. Oh, no, no, no. no,
0: no. I'm sorry. You're new to board gaming. When I buy things, I buy all the things. Okay.
1: I'm sorry. I forgot. You're on the wrong podcast, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, that's what I did there. I looked at the deluxe pledge and I was like, yeah, hundred bucks. That's, you know, because that would be reasonable.
0: That's what a reasonable gamer would do. I am not one of those reasonable games. That is not this podcast. This (laughs) is the podcast that you scroll the bottom first And then you get the all-in pledge, and then you cry yourself to sleep because yeah, yeah, I don't
1: money. You get a big mat though. Look at that mat. That mat's really mat's
0: pretty. pretty. Although mats, again, we could have a long conversation just mats. Like I don't know. Like we need to have a we need to go back to like BGA court. Like we did that so many years ago. Like I don't know if these neoprene mats they deserve to exist because they seem cooler than they are practical. I don't know. I don't know, but. Oh, man, too... I did just,
1: yeah, like yeah. I, I, cause I'm packing right now and I have like 20 of the stupid things. You can't pack those. If you want to no. keep them rolled, you cannot pack them. So I had to throw them in the car with my wife cause she had to drive to Philly the other day for a job thing. And I was like, just drop by swing by the house and drop off V the, all these mats, this copy of kingdom death monster that doesn't fit in a box yeah. and like three or four other ridiculously oversized boxes. And she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just like
0: and why did i marry you again i'm like oh yeah okay um yeah, yeah. have fun carrying this stuff i
1: appreciate it love you <laughs>
0: <laughs> well the problem is with those neoprene mats i mean they're lovely but it's it's these game designers never never consider the fact that they should fit in a box or fit right. in fit in their game box so it's just like oh cool i have this game box and i should put it on a shelf or put it with some things and then i have this randomly sized mat that's you know, so difficult to kind of manage and it doesn't fit anywhere. It's too long. It right. sticks out. It bends, it warps. It's, I can't, I, I ever, you know, just like, I don't know. I don't know. There's yeah. just not a, there's not a good, there's just, it's just not, a. it's not, it makes sense in theory. It's a Jurassic park thing, right? They did it before they thought about it. Right. Like the crazy <laughs> fools, right? Like, right. I don't know. I will look at this. I will continue to look at this. And if I back this, I will blame you forever.
1: I'm just saying. So be be prepared. All right. Nice. All right. I'll make sure to talk about it. Well, I can't talk about it every week. It's only up for another week. (laughs) I will text you every day. Damn it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I want to talk about something more reasonable. And actually, one of my favorite games, for so many different reasons, for one, it does fit in the box. Although it does, you Dust. can also back the neoprene mat, and then it then it, it's a complete separate <laughs> thing. But the neoprene mat does come with a box because it's a small mat, so you can put that in the mat as well. I mean, in the box as well. So, Villagers Shifting Seasons, a multi-module expansion for the Golden Geek nominated card game Villagers, which obviously you would get because Villagers is not entire. Um, don't worry about gold, golden geek awards. I've loved it. It was like my game of the year, just because again, what's so strange about life in general without getting too philosophical is getting into board games. This would not be a game for me at all. It's like that whole Agricola thing where it's like, I don't want to farm. I want to use spaceships and magic powers and dragons, right? Like, come on, man. Like, No. What what do I find enjoyable? Clearly, supply chain management I find enjoyable. So, yeah, Villagers is a game about supply chain management. At least, at least in the uh, the technical term for it, it's a fantasy village game. Uh, I, I'm not sure what particular era it's supposed to kind of like presuppose. Like, it's a medieval kind of Villagers, European kind of building tableau game i love tableau games so maybe that's it alone but basically what you do is there's going to be a market of cards and there's going to be all of these different artisans and farmers and villagers and politicians and everything else and tradespeople, and you're going to add them to your tableau to your village and you need to feed everybody which is very simple in this game and you need to build in this game which is also very simple because it's card based so Very simple to set up and the chaining is so beautiful and so easy because all the cards, the graphic design follows perfectly. The artwork is very good, although the eyes with their like googly eye look still freaks me out a little bit. It's a little uncanny valley for me, but the artwork is great otherwise. But the chains are really simple to put together and the cards explain everything that you need to do. And even if you don't get an epic, you know, chain together, when you get certain cards, they unlock other cards from other players. So getting a blacksmith is a great card because other players need a blacksmith, so they have to pay you in order to play cards in their tableau. So it's kind of fun. There's a lot of ways to play the game, and it kind of all gets going rather easier. So it's just a really a fun, great game and very simple to play. It plays over a couple of different seasons. So there's a lot to the game, as I mentioned. It comes in this really tight, small box, which is fantastic. Now they're coming out with an expansion. So we'll be talking about expansions and their different types. And funny enough, Villagers actually, in fact, kind of covers a lot of our top 10s, you know, different expansion types. So, in particular, what do you have in here? Well, this expansion has something called events. And this is spoiler alert, this will be one of our top 10 is that a lot of games, when they come out with an expansion, the easiest way to kind of add an expansion to an already game without thinking about it too hard is, hey, there are event cards and they come out either randomly or they come at a certain points, and they change the game ever so slightly by giving resources or maybe they're a destructive event in the game. Well, this is going to add spring, summer, fall, and winter. So there'll be seasons and there'll be bonuses to the game to score more points. Love it. In addition, there'll be teams, which are these two sets of cards that you can add to your village. And they will actually help you catch up a little bit, but there will be certain penalties. So early gain, long-term kind of pain. There's also new special villagers in the game that kind of bend the rules a bit and give you special abilities. These are kind of like your asymmetrical game plowers where you just have a bonus that no one else particularly has. This this expansion also adds clay as a resource. So again, it's another one of our top 10, spoiler alert, you know things where it adds a new resource. So it really opens the game up a lot more. So it's not the traditional resource here. So the clay suit's great. Um, A monastery mode, new here. So it's a simpler version of their solo mode. And you can play this pretty quick and simple. And that's great about this game because this game does play really well as a solo mode. In addition, there's a whole bunch of unlockables. The expansion is only $18, which is exceptionally good because you're getting a lot for $18. They could have easily charge double and i would have backed it to be honest with you just please dear god don't tell sinister fish games because i will end up backing it if you've never played villagers this is a great time to pick it up because you could pick up the the complete bundle with its multiple expansions with its wood coins not metal coins wood coins and wood coins are better uh-huh. because they're cheaper and they're lighter and they're easier to carry and they're adorable i would like the colors to be a little different to distinguish them but nonetheless it's great So Villagers is up on Kickstarter right now. It's already back, so it will continue. You've got about two weeks to go. So check out Villagers Shifting Seasons, one of my favorite games in my collection of the year. Supply chain management has never been more fun, and tableau building is definitely solid here. And this is a game that I played with my group, and the highest compliment I can give it is that we played it again and again. It was a game that everyone wanted to play again. No one was burnt out on it. They were like, oh, that was fun. Let's do it
1: again. I'm like, done. So yeah, Villagers shifting seasons. Yeah, super excited for this. I I backed the original Villagers Kickstarter uh, and played it like the day it came in because it was so easy and quick to learn. And we had a similar experience. We finished it up and some people left the group that day and then we played it again, like at a different table because it's quick and it's easy and everybody really enjoyed. They want to build out that tableau. They want to see what engine they can can uh, manifest in their supply chain you know um so i'm super excited for this as someone who played the solo a bunch too i'm like more stuff and different ways to do it (laughs) bring it on so yeah i'm I'm all in on this one as well nice all
0: right so those are the games that we want to hit the table please check those out and back those designers let's talk about the games that did hit the table this week or the tablet and we'll ever know if those games are a buy and they should run and pick those games up those games are play and they should sit down and play them or if those games are dodge avoid them at all costs or if those games are in fact the
1: dreaded burn and they should just be forgotten about my friend what did you get to the table this week all right so i got a new two-player game uh from space cowboys called botanic or botanic i'm not really sure um it's it's machines so you got the bot and then there's plants so you got the botanic So I'm not really sure where they're going with the pun in terms of how to say it, but it is a pun. (laughs) Let's give them credit. They made a pun. Uh, So this is a two-player only game. Uh, It comes in a small box. It's like 20 bucks. And what you're doing in the game is you're building a network of mecha botanics, I think they call it. Uh, So you're going to have your own little tableau that you're building, essentially. You're building a tableau. And it has all these different types of tiles, and they have to connect to each other. You're trying to gain points by getting groups of the same color, of tile and flowers which show up on various different tiles Mm -hmm. so on your turn what you do is there's a central board and on the central board there is a workshop for your side and a workshop for your opponent's side with five spaces and then there's a central row and so on your turn you take one of three available tiles that you're drafting at the top and you place it in your workshop or in the central row and what happens is if at any time the Central row changes so it doesn't match the tile on your side. So they have to match, essentially. That's the rule. When you place it in your workshop, you know, and there's like five or six different shapes of tiles and then like four or five different colors. So it has to match the color or the shape. And so when you place it in your workshop, the row close to you, it has to match. But when you place in the central row, you can break the match. So you can make it so it no longer matches. And when it no longer matches, you take that tile off of your workshop and place it into your tableau so what you're trying to do is as efficiently as possible get tiles into your workshop and then get them to break and come back to you Uh, there's special tiles as well um, the, the scientists themselves which allow you to kind of chain this and do two or even three tiles at a time if you do it right and so it's about efficiency the like building the it's not really an engine so much but like trying to build the tableau in such a way uh in front of you that You can get more tiles than your opponent, but also you want to get the right tiles, right? So again, your machine that you build has to have groups of the same color. That's how you're going to score points. And then you have to have flowers which show up on just random tiles. Um, Those will give you extra bonus points. So if you don't have a combination of those two things, you're not going to do as well. The game only takes like 15, 20 minutes. So like mechanically, it's not crazy complicated. It was relatively easy to play with my son. He's 10 years old. and it, it it doesn't really require like a ton of in-depth thought but if you really want to think through it and try to like game it out and try to match like create different combos off of the central tile um you can absolutely do that and that's a lot of fun as well so i was pleasantly surprised by this relatively inexpensive recent release from Asmodee space cowboys and uh yeah i i, I definitely recommend it i I'm happy I picked it up. It's a strong play for me. Um I do have a lot of two player games that play at a similar length. Uh the tableau building element does make it stand out enough that I'll keep it in my collection. But it's <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised and um I think most people who are looking for kind of a puzzly two player thing will be uh, surprised and enjoy this as well. So that's Botanic or Botanic, however you want to say it. <laughs> are we going to talk about the artwork here or at least the oh, box cover? Oh it's weird. And bad. I don't know if it's bad, but it's super weird. It's right? weird. Yeah.
0: It's not It's not necessarily bad. It's definitely an art form, and I like this artist's work because he's done work in Dixit, so it makes sense that this artwork would look this way, but it really does right. have that surreal, like you said, that mechanical, biological kind of oddity Dixit kind of look. So if you like Dixit artwork, like the really abstract sign this kind of fits in that realm because, you know, the art is a big part of here. It's interesting. <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. really uh, just like, huh, I don't hate this, but I don't, do I love
1: this? I don't, I'm not really sure, but uh, yeah. If you've seen it, it, yeah. It, it grew on me a little bit. And as I was playing it, I was thinking like, Chris would like this game. It's, a, yeah. you know, it's quick, it's accessible. It's a tableau builder. Like it's it's the exact kind of game that I feel like you would enjoy. Nice.
0: All right, let me talk about a game that, in fact, Anthony talked about in episode 308. So, if you like to hear Anthony's view on Beyond the Sun, definitely check back for that. So, uh, these days we have not been playing games together, of course, for actually quite some time. So, it's kind of rare that we both get a game to the table. Obviously, this took me much longer than it took Anthony. I mean, 308 to 333. But nonetheless, I did get to the table uh, from designer Dennis uh, Chan, and from our friends at Rio Grande Games. So this was a game that I was actually really excited to get to the table because how it was pitched to me or how the game was generally pitched was this was a tech tree. You were going to get to play this space operatic tech tree in which you would be a space-faring race developing the universe, colonizing planets, and just building up that wonderful part of any great 4X game or any great civilization game, the tech tree. This game really isn't a tech tree. This game, (laughs) I mean, it is technically a tech tree, but it's kind of like a worker placement game where each and every turn you take one action. Now, if you haven't played Beyond the Sun, basically what you're doing is you're developing a tech tree to automate and colonize space And the game basically comes down to two main elements. There's going to be population, and there's going to be ore production. This is a great part of the game because sometimes games of this nature could be too overly cumbersome with too many different resources. So basically there are two resources in the game. And the cubes, or I probably should say dice in this game, are not really dice, but they're actually... They could be anything, right? They could be a supply that turns into a, you know, population, supply that turns into ships. So there's a couple of different things that come into play here. So basically throughout the game, you will take your one little cylinder piece, you will place it somewhere out on the board, somewhere either in the basic actions or in the advanced actions in the game, and that will allow you to do a thing. Now, most of the game is researching different actions on the tech tree, So that you will get an immediate bonus at times and then get a possibly a new action uh, space that you can place your token on just for you because you're the only person who researched that technology. Now, throughout the game, other people can research the same technologies. So eventually it does become like a shared worker placement spot throughout the game. But the tech tree elements, as far as like the game starts, there are four cards, there are four starting spots. You know, once for ore, once for population, two for spacefaring, and then eventually they branch out and connect. So you do need to get all the level twos to get to level threes, and then obviously to get to level fours. The challenge of the game is really comes down to the player count because the main board itself, and this is really the only game that I can think of in recent memory that when I looked at the game, I got the game completely. I felt how the game would play and that was both good and bad because again the game is very basic and straightforward you place your column you take your action you automate by having more possibilities for population and ore and you get victory points throughout the game that kind of you know ramp up throughout or you take some of the actions that actually let you do spacefaring and then you move your you know your dice your your ships on the board And eventually, they go take over planets, colonize it, and you get bonuses for that as well. So basically, are you doing tech or are you doing space? Now, you're probably going to do both because that's how the game kind of forces you into those corners. But I've played this at all different player counts in person and on on board game arena. And for me, a four-player game plays best. Uh, Two and three... Well, two is a race because, again, there's just... The number of spaces really doesn't diminish. The number of ward spots diminishes, but the number of spaces on the board, number of cards on the board doesn't diminish. The number of planets available for colonization does diminish. Three player is, again, one of those weird things where there's some spots that are closed, but other spots that are like way open, unnecessarily like way too many planets at a three player count. So it really is unwieldy at certain player counts and too tight at other player counts. The game is what it is, the board, the, the graphical layout is as basic and as plain as can be. There is some intelligence to that because there is a lot of text on the board. So if there was a lot of graphical design on the board, it could become too muddled. But as it stands, you are going to have a problem at the physical table because someone's going to be able to read all the text properly and nobody else will. Not to mention that the spacefaring board is all these different planets with cards on them that have some very small text. And again, one person's going to be able to read this and everyone else is going to have a problem. You're basically playing a solitaire game with the exception of trying to get to the planets first, or maybe possibly getting to an action before someone else does. What really bugged me about the game was I knew how to win the game way too easy. For me, that was a lot of the you know the, the the scientific research because that gave you bonuses even in spacefaring where other players were going for spacefaring and struggling because they didn't have bonuses. But since there are two cards with, with automation at the very beginning of the game, and if you don't get one of those, then you're going to space and then you're on a path for space because otherwise you're just chasing someone throughout the game. Beyond the Sun is a fairly decent game. I don't find it... I would never classify this as a tech tree even though I know technically it is. When I think tech tree, I think of actions and abilities that not only get better but also snowball on each other. So not only are you now able to get your, you know, your super upgraded marine troopers, but they can also jump to another planet and they have a special ability and they can research because you built up those tech trees. So those things are so powerful and snowball to the point where they could do 15 different things. This isn't 15 different things. This is just reduced cost, and maybe sometimes a little bit of a special ability when you get down to the level fours. So this gets a play and I'm honestly pretty hesitant about saying that it gets a play because I probably would play this again at four players, and honestly, I would only really feel comfortable if I was first or second. I don't feel it does play well at three and four, because I just don't think that three and four players gets the bonuses that it deserves in order to catch up. So beyond the sun, I'm going to give it a play, but a very light endorsement for a play. And if you know one or two other people wanted to play this, I'm going to pass on it um there is a asymmetrical player power thing on the other side on the other boards it didn't do much of anything just gave you a little bit of a tweak but uh beyond the sun it's going to get an expansion maybe that upgrades it maybe they put a new board together uh but it's i think it's just a missed opportunity for me
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I haven't played with four people, so I can't say one or the other. Like at the higher player counts, I've only played at lower player counts. Um, I loved the game, but I didn't have the issue of not being able to read the text, which I could see making a problem. And uh, I guess, yeah, the tech tree thing, I did still feel like it was a tech tree because mm-hmm. the cards do link together. Like when you draw the cards out, they need to match like the, sure, sure. the technology type. They, may- they maybe don't directly relate to each other, but you are still moving ahead in that particular grouping of technologies um but it's random so yeah if if that randomness is not to your liking or if just the the particular combination of technologies ended up coming out in a game uh, i could see that being an issue as well i I mean i like if you if you build a
0: tech tree and you build a ship the technologies for the the ship should get better it should have more things it should have more bells and whistles your your things should do it shouldn't just be cheaper. It should be doing, it should be benefiting from the previous technologies. And this just, it seems like arbitrary, cheaper cost, or maybe a a level four bonus. It it didn't really feel to me that, like, it didn't really feel to me like that. I I actually advanced technology. I just opened up another space that saved me a guy or saved me an ore, you know, and like, Oh, level three, I saved, I saved an ore. OK, save the nor people. Um, I don't know. I just. Uh, nah. All right. <laughs> listen to Anthony's review and my review and, and see and play for yourself because it's
1: still a play for me. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's just funny. Because yeah, if you listen to my review, I think I spent at least two minutes be like, you're going to love this. So now I'm like, oh, I was wrong. So maybe Aww. don't play Botanic because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs>
0: All right, so those are the games that hit the table. Check them out at your folly or your risk or your enjoyment. Uh, we have a lot more coming up. So let's talk about our feature review. So our feature review this week is, in fact, the top 10 board game expansion types. You have expansions. These are the types that play across all the different expansions out there. So Anthony and I, we put together a list of the top 10 you will see this happen multiple times and multiple expansions, especially on Kickstarter, where it's like, you know what? All the expansions. And then you, then you have all the things. <laughs> um, sometimes these are built into games. Sometimes these are, you know, become essential additions. Uh, you know, Anthony, I, I know that we've, we, at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about our love of expansions. Um, I know that there's also a dark side to this, especially for you, that we'll talk about. Um, hopefully, you uh, Hopefully it doesn't it doesn't spoil it too much for you.
1: Yeah, there, there are some expansion types. Um some of these do it too. Like we'll talk about some expansions. And here we're like, mm-hmm. this part's good from this expansion, this part's stupid. And, and that that happens. Uh because there are like two or three not on this list that I think are a bad idea generally. Um <laughs> keep keep rearing their ugly heads over and over again, and I don't know why. <laughs> so we'll get to them.
0: All right, so um, since expansions are my thing, I'm going to run through the list and then Anthony will, will jump in on some games here. So Anthony, number 10, new global effects. So there are so many games out there in which the expansion that comes out for the game is just in fact, and sometimes even just like a deck of cards, like in Small World, but is basically like, hey, you know that base game you love? well here's a random deck of like flux cards that now change things up ever so (laughs) briefly gives you a negative gives you a positive i mean we just talked about this in villagers with their different seasons and kind of randomness um is this a favorite of yours anthony
1: yeah yeah i mean i I love that idea of just being able to buy a deck of cards and and kind of changing up the whole nature of the game um so like when we we're preparing this list. I was like racking my brain trying to think of them. And I was just, just now thought of a few. Um, One of my favorites is the root partisans and exiles deck, which you can pick up uh, as part of like, I don't, I think the last expansion that came out, sure. but it basically replaces the deck that's in the game and makes it much more, the cards themselves more interactive in a way that's unique and a little more balanced to the new powers. Power grid has a new, like you can buy new power station or new power plants. It kind of changes it up um, to play with either the new maps or the old maps, however you want to do it. Uh, One of my favorite games is Shakespeare. And there's a, the only expansion for Shakespeare is the backstage expansion, which isn't just a deck of cards and it adds new characters and new like flow to the game, but it Mm -hmm. also adds a whole new mechanic, which is another thing we'll get to later, but it actually adds this whole thing you can do that you couldn't even do in the original game that actually makes the entire game better just with one deck of cards. So it's it's cool what you can do with a very limited amount of resources if, you're, sure. if you do it right. It, it even reminds me, and just depends on your age here or your video
0: game play, like Sim City, Like SimCity was building up mm. SimCity and then it was just like, hey, you know what would be fun? If you added at random destruction to your city and you're like, That (laughs) does not seem like a good thing. And then you're like, I'm going to do that. And then like you would have a tornado or a storm or Godzilla and you'd just be like, cool, random global effects. So that's what it kind of a throwback from that. So I think it's good. But again, it's that randomness that you just want to throw in the game for the heck of it. All right. Number nine. And I know this one's going to be a, you know, a a thing for Anthony added player count. So usually that's a a five plus. Especially for Euro games, but we could also talk about it as added
1: player colors. What do you think about this, Anthony? I think added player count is the worst thing you can do to a game, and <laughs> I have never. No, that's not true. Maybe once or twice I've done the fifth player because someone else brought the game. They're like, oh, this plays five. You're like, oh, cool, and then you, you get it out. You're playing it. You're like does it only play five with the expansion? Cause I feel like we've been playing for four and a half hours. Sure. sure. And I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> like literally none of these games are balanced for five people. I don't care what you do to it. And it makes them all too long. Stop doing it. It's not good. Now on the flip side, I will say uh, there are some expansions that'll make it play better at certain player counts where it didn't before. Like some games are really just only three player games or only four sure. player games. i so like this expansion makes it better at two and better at three and, or whatever those are fine great good make it more accessible but five players six player. why what are you doing what are you doing why <laughs> don't do it <laughs> yeah, um, i think that was on player a colors yeah 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 i know yeah marco polo will get to but um player colors awesome give more <laughs> options the ultimate game in doing this is suburbia collector's edition that's, that's because sick. <laughs> I backed this the all in because I was, that was in my crazy back everything at all in phase. And there's Mm -hmm. 22, I think player boards. Um, You you could still only play the game with five people. So I don't know why you need 22, (laughs) but I have 22 and they're all different colors. Well, the funny thing is they're all different colors, but they're not
0: really all different colors. They're like, no, (laughs) they're like shades of different colors. Like how many colors are there again? And you're like, Oh, this is like the fourth green player color. And you're like, all right
1: (laughs) just like
0: (laughs) (laughs) you could play an all
1: green game it'll be great
0: yeah and i think blood rage was the kind of the first one that set this off which i think fifth player was green which obviously is the player color i play so i was happy to have that but yeah it was a fifth player and it was green so almost like when i think five player games or the fifth player expansion i always think blood rage and i think the green faction because sometimes you do want that usually it's like the four primary colors and maybe a secondary, like you'll get green. And then it's like purple, pink, black, white, maybe. So you get like that really cool extra color that you never see in board games or rarely ever see in board games, at least in the base game. So I love that idea of the extra color so that you have choice. Maybe Suburbia's Collect Edition goes too far, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. the fifth player expansion, the fifth actual player, it's good because you can play the game if you have five people. Because if you don't, if you go to a game night or you go to a friend's house and you have five people, a three and a two is really weird. Like you really have to have a dedicated two-player game. Five-player, yes, but I, I also do agree with Anthony. Usually, five players is when like a Euro game designer is like they got a gun to his head and they're like, "You're gonna make it a fifth-player game." He's like, "No," because somehow there's an algorithm and it only works at four players. At least Euro games do so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, our number eight is a little different. I think, Anthony, you might
1: appreciate it one a little bit more. How about a new additional resource? This can be cool. This mm-hmm. can be cool. Uh, it, it generally, it's a funny thing because in your head you think, oh, this is going to be all tacked on. But they, typically it's not. It typically just adds, mm-hmm. it looks for a gap in the game or an area that maybe is a little underdeveloped and it adds something new and gives you an option on how to utilize that, right? So like mm-hmm. my favorite example is German railroads. We've talked about this a million times. It, the sure. first expansion for Russian railroads, it adds coal and coal is a whole new resource that lets you take additional actions and do different things and basically fills this gap in the game where previously you kind of all just did the same thing and you're racing for the same stuff. So there was a lot of homogeny in how you played and the coal really mixes that up and lets you play differently. Um, a couple other ones, fields of Arl adds tea and a whole different way to trade and interact with the board where before, especially in a two player game, you would probably follow the same path every time you play. And that's a big sandbox game. So you want a sandbox of options. So T really helps sure. expand that. It also adds a third player, but it's not a fifth. So that one's okay. I'll accept it. Um, Istanbul was another one. I know you, Chris, you said this one adds coffee, right? Coffee.
0: Yeah. Istanbul has a couple of different additional resources, but coffee is the one that stands out most because I think that generally or I think generally it's considered the best expansion for Istanbul, but there's a lot of these kind of games that add additional resources. And oftentimes they're welcome. They're usually not superfluous. You know, every once in a while, there's a game that like, when you play the base game, you're like, oh, I didn't need to go after Jade. You know who I'm talking about, but I don't have to do Jade, right? In order to win a game. But usually when they put a fifth, you know, when they put an expansion, And it has a new resource, usually it's for a reason. You know, sometimes that's Wingspan Oceana that has the, I think it's the nectar in the game. So there's rationales for it and there's good rationales for it. So I I like seeing a new resource in the game, especially if it has some sort of like dynamic gameplay that's added. Or sometimes they'll add gold, right? I have a couple of games where like gold is an additional resource. And that just kind of, like, opens the game up because now it's a wild resource. Usually the new resource can be or typically is a wild resource. Like, it buys everything, and you're like, cool, everything's easier now. I don't know if that's good or bad, but sure, why not? That's a a thing. (laughs) Um, I think, like, Concordia Salsa has salt. It doesn't make everything easier, but it can be that kind of wild resource that changes the game up. Yeah. So... A lot of good choices here. Now, Anthony, I know this is one that you do love. This is the new or additional solo mode that they add to the board game.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because once upon a time, games did not come with solo modes ever. And then occasionally an expansion would come along and layer it in. I feel like Mm -hmm. these days, more Euros than not have a solo mode baked into the game right out of the box because enough people want it, especially on Kickstarter. So this is becoming a little bit less of a thing. But there's a lot of really good ones, Like if you have old games on your shelf. Uh, Castles of Burgundy, the 10th expansion is a solo expansion. It's very good. If you get the anniversary edition of that game, it comes with this in it. So it's not really an expansion Mm -hmm. anymore It's packed in. But it's good. You should check it out. Uh, German Railroads, we just talked about. That adds the solo bot, which I actually like quite a bit for just a simple bot. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. And you can play with any of the content in that game. So it's compatible with everything. Base game German American Railroads, uh, Orleans Invasion adds a solo mode to that game. Also compatible with pretty much everything except like the weird combative multiplayer stuff. Uh, so definitely check that out if you're a fan of Orleans. <laughs> uh, Root Clockwork Expansion. So the base game of Root came with a like a Clockwork solo opponent. It wasn't very good. Nobody did it. The clockwork expansion makes clockwork versions of all the base characters so all four from the original game and there's a second clockwork expansion coming in the next expansion set with four more so there's going to be eight clockwork opponents and they're very well done they're very well balanced if you want to play this game solo you actually can and it is actually entertaining to do now so (laughs) i do recommend that um and then a game that chris you turned me on to and then i've i backed specifically because of this was tricarion Doll guards academy the expansion for that adds a solo mode to that game, which is this big sprawling epic of game for mind clash. And the the solo is very interesting layered on top of that.
0: Yeah. There's a, it's for me, the solo mode, because I don't typically play solo modes is almost like the fifth player mode for you. It's really unwelcome except when you absolutely mm-hmm. need it. And then it's like, Oh, okay. This is, this is a thing. This is good. So um, you know, the Tricarion edition solo mode I have and like a lot, it just, unfortunately, it's like the fifth player version for you again, where it's just like it takes up space in the box. Like you don't mm. want to play with it. But again, there are those scenarios. So right. speaking about, uh, you know, different versions of play, let's talk about our number six, Anthony, the new team mode, actually
1: having a team of players work together to win the game. Yeah, this is such a a cool mechanic that not enough games do. And I imagine it's hard to do. Sure. Then to layer it into an expansion, too. That's cool. Uh, I think the most famous version of this in recent years is Concordia Venus, because Concordia is a huge game. And that was the first like the second big box expansion after Salsa. It's not just a new map. It's a whole box. And it was a team based game. Right. So that, that definitely mixed things up a lot. Yeah, I think that's that
0: definitely stands out above and beyond the rest. Because Concordia was such an established game with multiple expansions. And they're like, cool, we're doing Concordia Venus. You're like, oh, that's different. Like, it's team based. And you're like, <laughs> what? Like, there's been like, you can play t where you play, you know, teams and there's mm-hmm. other games that have like team games as the game itself. I think even Ankh the new game from uh, CMON has like a teaming up mechanic uh, during the game. But this was a an expansion that you could play with the game that you play as a team and you, you know, support each other with resources and, and how you play out the game and you scored as a team. And it's actually excellent. It really is an excellent mode. I can't, it yeah. should not work. It should not work at all. And I remember playing the game and we had six players playing and, And each of the pairs played radically differently, like as far as like how they wanted to score points combined and share cards and such. And each played differently and different outcomes. So yeah, no, I think it's a a really fantastic mode and something unique. I'd like to see a lot more in games in the future if possible. All right, let's talk about something simple and a little bit obvious, especially dealing with Kickstarter these days. Anthony, upgraded minis, upgraded packs, obviously there's a lot of the kickstarter here and i should add a huge asterisk to this list because i did not and we do not want to cover at least in this version of uh board game expansion types we're not doing mini games because there's just an endless number of like extra plastic bits but
1: board game style anthony you got an anachrony expansion don't you yeah, it, it's funny with Anachrony. I don't even consider that an expansion, but it is. The Exosuit is. expansion is an expansion. It's just in my head. I'm like, why would you not just buy those together? Because <laughs> um, it's a cool thing, though. Cause more companies should do that. Because Anachrony by itself, you just buy that base game at sixty bucks. Yeah. The Exosuit expansion is forty bucks, and then and that also gives you like the Solo Bot and everything else that comes with it, the Chronobot. Uh, and then it's a hundred dollar game, and it feels like a hundred dollar game. There's a lot in the box. And they're awesome. Like they totally add something to the game. You put your little workers in there, you move them around, you can paint them. It's amazing. Uh, You don't need it. If you don't want it, you can use the tiles, but you should get it. It's worth it. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah, I picked that up as well. When I picked up the base game, I was
0: like, this is not fun. And then I'm like, oh my God, this is fun.
1: (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) I'm playing with toys now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this, this is all the kinds of fun. So I, I, was, I was very much glad to see that as far as, um, you know, having it in a board game expansion. Just because, again, there are a lot of games where the miniatures are just like you move it half an inch throughout the whole game. You're like, I did a thing. This one was actually like you moved it throughout the game. You felt that it was essential. It did feel like a big part of the game. It was a lot of fun. All right, so let's talk about,
1: I guess, the opposite of the minis. Anthony, new maps. New maps. I love games with new maps. Like, these are all games I own, and I think I have... Well, I'm not going to say all the maps, because some of these are insane. But mm-hmm. Power Grid, I have, I think, eight or nine maps for. Concordia, I do have all the maps for. Uh, Ticket to Ride, I have three of the map packs. And Ticket to Ride's famous because they don't just release maps, they release expansion maps. Like, it's a whole thing. It, mm-hmm. usually it's a double-sided map with all the extra b- bits and pieces you need to play the expansion of the game mm. um tramways is one of my favorite games of all time from album Viard. he also apparently loves that game even though nobody bought it because he has released i think eight or nine different maps for it including one on the moon you can play tramways on the moon why not <laughs> <laughs> um it's just all these amazing games and there's so many more like those are just the big ones off the top of our heads but uh Maps are great because you get the same components. You don't change a ton of rules. Maybe you tweak one or two things and you have a whole new play space. It just feels like a new game and yet everything's familiar at the same time. I love sure. playing on a new map. Yeah, this was something that surprisingly enough
0: has not, like, my board game collection, lots of games, lots of expansions. I've never been a map guy. Like, even mm. Concordia, that eventually someday I will pick that game up because all my friends own it and i'm just like i don't need to pick this up but um (laughs) nonetheless some point i'll pick it up and when i do so i will pick up all the maps in the world but yeah that is certainly a a big thing out there especially collecting all the different expansion maps concordia again uh, amazing really amazing as far as that's concerned all right let's talk about the final three the top three anthony this is where the expansions really do come in big time let's start talking about gameplay challenges or uh, changes, you know, like something new in the game that's there to challenge players or something new that just changes the game dynamics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this can be good or bad. Uh, yes. <laughs> so sometimes they threw no stuff on there and you're like, what you doing guys? <laughs> Don't know why this is here. Uh, my primary example for that is terraforming Mars because terraforming Mars has five expansions. One is a new map. One is asymmetrical-ish powers that you start with, which we'll get to in a minute. And then we have three that just add new mechanics or things to do. So you have Venus, which is meh. You've got Colonies, which I like, where you're going off and harvesting different things, getting bonuses with your little ships. And then you've got Turmoil, which some of us hate and some of us love. (laughs) It's it's very split on that one because it definitely adds a lot to the game. But in all those cases, those three expansions, it fundamentally changes the mechanics of what you're doing, right? Even Venus, which doesn't really change too much. It does add things like now the game accelerates on its own and you have another place where you can go to get terraforming points. It doesn't affect the end of the game. Um, colonies, you're going off and shipping things and interacting with people that way. Turmoil adds a whole new round to the game. It, it completely changes how the game flows. And it's just an interesting way to think about game design where they're just like, let's add a whole new system. For the heck of it, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. So, um, one that really, really does work is Voyages of Marco Polo: Agents of Venice. This one adds a whole sideboard, gives you more stuff to do back in Venice. Uh, the one problem with this expansion, in my opinion, is the fifth player you don't need mm. uh, would not play with that. But the other modules are awesome. You've got the whole yeah, the Venice board is great. It gives people things to do. It makes the game a little looser uh, in that regard. Uh, and there's also like a whole other. Modules of stuff that gives you like uh, special abilities you can pick up on your turn and utilize um, for benefit. If you play them right, they can do a lot for you. So, yeah, I don't know. I I like stuff like that where it layers into it and it makes sense and maybe fills a gap for certain players, Mm -hmm. but doesn't doesn't just beat you over the head with something new to be new, right? (laughs) That's true. It's true. And again, sometimes these
0: games, and we've talked about these games a lot, oftentimes these expansions are expansions in which hopefully they fixed the game, that they did something big to kind of come in there or add something to the game that was desperately needed. So a, a lot of big things here. I mean, Bruges, the city on, is in. that was one of the big ones for me because the game really comes down to rolling the dice. And if you got a three and a four, nothing happened. But mm-hmm. when you got a three and a four with the expansion, a whole nother gameplay kind of opened up. And that really was something big for me because I love the game so much. It was like, it was so odd that one, one, two, and five and six things were happening, but not three and four. Like, why? No. I mean, so yeah, that that was a big thing. All right, Anthony. Number two, something that we like to see a lot. These are new player powers. Asymmetrical gameplay, uh, new different characters, new different baseboards, new different civilizations. All the special fun stuff that we typically see when a base game's come out, everyone likes it, here's some new powers, you know, here's a here's something for you, and here's something for you, my friend, and you get a little thing, and you get a little thing. So, yeah, yeah. what do you think about
1: the little things? I, I love new player powers, especially yeah. in a game that didn't have any asymmetry to start with. So like the first one that popped in my head was like Spirit Island, but Spirit Island's already asymmetrical. They're just giving you yes. new <laughs> options with the expansion. So like you had 10 options. Now you have 25 options. You're like, cool, more, which is great. I love it. But what I'm really excited about is when it, a game like Caverna, they say, here's the Forgotten Folk. And now you have an asymmetrical player power that nobody else has in yeah. a worker placement game. That's cool. That's fun. Uh, Zolkin does the same thing with Tribes and Prophecies where you now have some yes. asymmetrical power. Tantwakan does the same thing, but that asymmetrical power also does something negative to you in the game. Right? It hurts you at the same time as you're benefiting. You really really have to change how you play the game. Um, Everdell also has introduced you know these asymmetrical powers in multiple expansions already. It's cool. It's fun. It changes it up. It allows you know everything is different and you can play the game more because now you want to get through all these plow powers and see how they play
0: yeah and again when you play a base game and it's all the same it's still great the player powers really do give the replayability sometimes there are some mm-hmm. better than others so when you when you get to the table you're like oh that thing's better than the other but at least you want to play all the different types and see the different combinations and when it comes out as an expansion it's easily you know you can pop it into the game or pop it out of the game it doesn't break the game, even if the powers are not 100% balanced. And, like, for example, with Caverna, the Forgotten Folk, it's interesting because the game does play differently. Like, you do need to play differently, and there's different elements to it. So sometimes it's just a little bit, sometimes it's a lot, but it's always welcome. I, I love having that, those those powers. It's great. Even if I don't get the good ones, I'm like, cool, my guy does practically nothing, but that's awesome. You know, he's the Ken of Street Fighter. <laughs> no, actually the, the Dan, the Dan of Street Fighter. yeah yeah, yeah. The Dan of Street Fighter, yep. All right, and now our number one, top 10 board game expansion types. This is kind of the uber, I mean, for me especially, like when I look at expansions, this is my dream. When I, I'm like, what if this expansion was able to connect <laughs> other games together? And I'm yeah. just like, ah, that's never going to happen. And then Chem and was the first off to put this together where you could actually, in fact, use the creatures and monsters and you could like interchange them back and forth. And I was just like, this is genius because now I want to buy the other game, even though it's something that I normally would not, you know, think to do. And it just, it kind of, brought everyone together in a really good way. It was a really odd naming like for the for the game itself. I think it was like C3K, but it was basically it was just the crossover the creatures, which is brilliant. But that wasn't the only one, Anthony, right? There was one even bigger than that.
1: Yeah, the big big one when I think of crossovers is Century, the, the Century series of games. Yeah. Um, so you have the Spice Road and then the the Golem side as well. They've now released all of those. And The idea is you have a game. It's relatively simple. It's like entry level, like a 1.528 game. But if you get the second game, you can combine them. And they show you how to play the game with all the components. And you you go from just the Tableau style game and the the pick up and deliver game, and you jam them together. And then you could take the third one, A New World, which is a worker placement game, and jam that in there too. And then you have a pick up and deliver (laughs) worker placement Tableau building game. And then suddenly it becomes significantly more complicated. <laughs> so um I have all these. I also have all the player mats for these. And when you get to the third game, the player mats come in like this big double thing because there's multiple mats for the different permutations of jamming the games together. And I haven't used them all, but it's just really cool to have it there on the shelf. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's really a great experience. It's again, it's one of those things where i would love to see this in more games i mean especially when you have like certain ips like we love star wars we love lord of the rings oh we should mention the lord of the wings ones anthony um war of the ring right great game right but what's tell me what's the prequel right because the whole prequel is where does sam and frodo start out based on the is it the hunt for the ring i think it's the hunt for the ring Hunt for the
1: ring yep Hunt for the Ring has two parts to it. It's the go to the Shire to Bree and then from Bree to Rivendell. And then once you get to Rivendell, you switch over to War of the Ring and it, you can you know kind of seed your startup based on how you ended Hunt for the Ring. There's rules in the back to show you how to do that. And then you play a game of War of the Ring and all told, all that together is like eight hours. So it's only a whole day. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, it's so thematic. It's so cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you could just do like an RPG but it's also worker placement, but it's also a tableau builder and it's also a board game and a a multi army game. And, and it's also miniatures for some reason. And, you know, you just get, you become more, you go from micro to macro and then back again. It's just, (laughs) I mean, it's just such a smart idea. I don't know why there's not more designers for it, but I love it. I think it's fantastic and I'm very grateful for all those things out there. So hopefully you've come across some of these different types of, board game expansions, they're all a lot of fun. Keep an eye out, think about it, because you'll see that these things pop up again and again, and they really do make gameplay so much fun. So don't stop at the base game, move on to the expansion, take our list, pick out the best games, and especially the top three we're talking about is just gonna blow you away as far as gameplay is concerned. So hopefully these are new games that you get to the table because expansion just adds a little bit more. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table with the expansion. See ya!